0: Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. Okay, we need some light. Oh, very good. Okay, so um, I am actually taking a class this semester, and the class is, it's called Inductive Bible Study, and we are spending our whole semester in one book of the Bible, it's Mark, okay? So it's a good book. It's a great book, actually. It's the, you know, a lot of stories of Jesus. And so I decided that for the next, who knows how long, I don't know, maybe a few weeks, maybe a month or so, I would like to do some stories from the book of Mark, just so that we can all be on the same page, right? I want to share with you some of the things I learned, some of the things I'm, I'm reading in scripture that just blow my mind. And today, it just so happens that um, I, I want to start with Mark chapter 2. So it's one of my absolute favorite stories in all of scripture. If you've got a Bible, I'm gonna invite you to pull it out now to take a look at it. If you're at home, the words will be on the screen. But if you have a Bible, it's wonderful. What I love to do when I'm reading through scripture is take notes, underline the important words that, that make a difference in the scripture, that make it uh, relevant for us and exciting for you. And just take notes in the margin of your Bible. Um, I love having a good marked up Bible. So this story, it's a story that I bet most of you have heard in here today, but I wanna reread it because I think it's just that important. So here we are in the book of Mark chapter two, starting in verse one, and we're gonna go through verse 12. Here's what scripture says for us this morning. It says, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, since they could not get him into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never, ever seen anything like this. So this is one of my favorite scriptures and there is a ton of stuff for us to unpack in here, right? So first of all, the the scripture opens up with the phrase, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. So what does that say to you about Jesus? Yep. Anybody? What? He was popular. People knew who he was. They heard through the grapevine that Jesus was coming. Oh, Jesus is coming. I got to go, right? Right. So then it says that Jesus went into a house and he began to preach to them. What was the problem with the house? It was so small. It was so small that it was completely packed out. It said there wasn't even room where? Outside the what? Outside the door, right? The house was packed and even outside the house was packed. That's how popular Jesus was. Guys, the message of Jesus is popular, but Jesus himself, man, Talk about a standing room only. So the whole house is packed out and Jesus is is preaching and he's teaching and he's telling them about the word. And then all of a sudden, I imagine Jesus is standing there underneath the the roof and he's, he's preaching, you know, God is so good and he loves you all. And all of a sudden he's like seeing dust fall from the sky, right? What in the world is happening to this house? And so we see that these four men were friends of a paralyzed man, a man who couldn't even walk. It says they were so excited about getting this man to see Jesus that they brought him on his mat. And that's that's gotta be an awkward way to travel, right? Like it's gonna take all these guys, one on each corner, lifting the mat. Like, I I don't know if that was the best or most convenient way to do it. But not only do they have him and his mat, they have to carry him all the way through town to where Jesus, they have to break through the crowd, trying to see where he's at. And then they decide, you know what, it's not even worth it. So I'm gonna go up on the roof of the house with a mat and a full-on guy on this mat. And they start to dig through the roof. It was hard work. And so, you know, Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden he's seeing this stuff falling from the sky. And I imagine like, wh- what do you do in that moment, right? Has anybody ever been like a teacher? Like you're standing in front of the class and then something absolutely crazy happens. That's what's, that's what's going on right here. G- do what? IOC drill. No, not, not quite. But like you're standing there, you're teaching and you, you've got something you need to say. And all of a sudden, like the ceiling breaks open and all the straw and the dirt and the mud of the house starts falling in front of you. Now, do you stop teaching at that time? Do you just like, well, I was gonna tell you something really important, but you know, this is weird, right? Like I I would probably personally stop. Like, I don't know what to do next, but I'm not Jesus. So it doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus does, but clearly we watch. And when you're digging a hole through a roof, I imagine it doesn't start out exactly the size of a mat, right? I imagine it takes some time to dig through. Like you start with a small hole, then the hole gets bigger, and then you have enough room to fit a whole human being down it sideways. That is a giant hole in somebody's house. So you got to think, who owns the house? And how mad are they right now that somebody just dug a hole through the roof? Yeah. So Jesus... Jesus being Jesus, I imagine, is still preaching and teaching in this time. And he's like, you know, occasionally wiping off the roof dust. And this man just full on comes out of the ceiling, being lowered by four of his friends. And I imagine he gets to the point, uh, I don't think he stops like halfway and he's like eye to eye with Jesus, but because I imagine that would be heavy. So you lower him all the way to the ground. And, and, and I mean, just standing room only, Jesus says, I forgive you. Like you are forgiven. He looks up at these four friends, one on each corner of the mat, holding a rope, lowering this guy down. And he says, not only is it you are forgiven, but it's their faith that have healed him. That doesn't happen very often, right? It's not very often that Jesus looks at somebody else and says, hey, because you have been so faithful, this person is healed, right? That's an incredible story. So it was the faith of the four men that healed this paralyzed man on the mat. What I find interesting about the story is like do you think there were there were like rumors that Jesus was coming to town? Do you think people in Capernaum knew that he was coming? Cuz if they did, and I was one of those friends, I would just like I would try to get there early and like save a seat for me and my my, my friend who is uh, you know, paralyzed, you know, find a way like, hey, I'm going to go get us some spots. I'm going to lay down. So we got four seats. And then you three, you guys can bring him, but I got a spot for us, right? I imagine they probably didn't know that Jesus was coming and they didn't have a chance to repair. And the only thing they could do in that moment was they had to go get their buddy. Like this guy, I've heard about Jesus. I knew, you know, I, I've heard of some of the stories about him healing people and the, and the way he teaches and how powerful it is. So I have got to go get my paralyzed friend and bring him. Do you have any paralyzed friends? So like religious people do, right? They're having church up in this house of the hole in the roof. And you got these religious people who are sitting there going, who does this man think he is? That he can forgive sins for this? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. They had no idea who Jesus really was, right? Isn't it like a religious person to say, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that, right? You can't sit in that pew. That's my seat. You can't talk in church. Guys, I, I, I actually like it when you talk in church. I like it a lot. There's a lot to take note of in this story. And I think the religious people are a part of it. That's something that you need to, we're gonna come back to that. So Jesus looks at the man and says, okay, so these guys have a problem with me forgiving your sins. So I tell you what, grab your mat and just go on home. Just get up, go on. And so, okay, gets his mat, see ya. And just walks out. Like you couldn't get in through the crowd, but clearly these guys, they're making away. holy cow, that guy just got healed. And so they let him out and he just goes on his way. I probably would have stuck around a little bit to hear what Jesus had to say, like afterwards, like you healed me, great, that's amazing. I'm gonna hear what the rest of your story is, right? But in this moment, everybody in that house, everybody outside of the house recognized that Jesus did something incredible and powerful and it changed the lives of not just this man on a mat, but also the four friends. Not just that, but I'm pretty sure the Pharisees, the people who were religious sitting in that room probably had to rethink their uh, opinion on what this man was and who Jesus was and what his purpose was. Do you ever try to put yourself in stories in scripture? Anybody? Sort of, yeah. Anybody else? I got one person likes to put himself in the story of scripture, Right. I do that too sometimes. I wonder what, now if I was there in that moment, who would I be in the story, right? Yes. So you do, okay. Like, you would be the I, uh, <laughs> I would be the Matt, is what he says, because. You sure you like talking out here? Yeah, <laughs> good point, Harry, good point. So oftentimes when I look at scripture, scripture, I try to find a way to put myself in the story. Who would I be in this story? Would I, be, would I be Jesus? Would I be the one who's like making a difference in people's lives? That's who I really wanna be, right? Like, it'd be cool to be Jesus. Or, or maybe, maybe, guys, how awesome would it be if I was the, the, one of the four friends, right? Yeah. Like, I wanna be one of the four friends. I wanna make sure that I'm the guy that's bringing people to Jesus, right? Yeah, But oftentimes, you know who I am? You you think I'm going to say the guy on the mat. No, no, no. Often, I'm one of the religious people sitting in the room saying, who the heck is this guy thinks he knows what he's talking about? I have read that scripture. That is not what that means. I have been to seminary. I know everything about scripture. I actually lead worship sometimes in my band, and I know how to sing that song. Why are they singing it in that key? That's weird. Like, I become one of those people that picks apart church, right? I'm one of those people like, Jesus, uh, you're spending too much time talking about the poor. I'm middle class. Can there be a blessing for the middle class? Right. Right. Oh, I am also the middle child. That's also not fun. But how awesome would it be if we were the people that Jesus looks up and says, "Your faith is so strong that it's your faith that healed him." Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> you can dance out. Listen, you can still be one of those four friends and dance too. All right. But so the do what. Uber 300 years ago, four friends on a mat. Yeah, (laughs) no. So here's the deal. Like the heroes of the story are definitely the four friends, right? Like we recognize that they're the ones who put in the effort to make sure their their friend could encounter Jesus and have a life-changing experience. It was their faith that healed the man on the mat, not the man on the mat's faith, which is strange. Their faith in the healing power of Jesus Christ gave them the courage to do what needed to be done to make sure somebody else had a blessing. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that somebody else gets a blessing? Are you though? I mean, listen, I am willing to do whatever it takes so that I get a blessing, right? But am I willing to do what it takes for somebody else to get a blessing? So oftentimes when I try to place myself in the stories of the Bible, I I end up realizing that I'm not really ever going to be the hero. In my life, there are times where I've played every single role in this story, right? Often not the hero. Sometimes I can be, but most of the time, I'm somebody on the periphery of the story. I've been a friend of the paralyzed. I've been paralyzed. I've been the skeptical religious person. And sometimes I'm just a member of the crowd watching what happens, Making sure that my place is reserved at the feet of jesus like i'm 'm there i 'm there, and that 's all that matters. so I want to tell you about some times in my lives where I played one of these roles, so first of all yeah i I've been a friend of the paralyzed. There have been moments where I have invited friends to church and sometimes that invite has made a difference in their life, right? Sometimes my invite to church has caused people to understand that God loves them and they have been saved from those times. It is very rare that I have invited somebody to church and their life was dramatically changed and they became a Christian in that moment. I've had it happen twice. I have been a friend of the paralyzed. I've invited. Actually, uh, it was like my senior year in high school and uh, I actually got an award from my church for the number of friends that I brought. It was mostly girls that I dated or girls I wanted to date. So my motive was probably not in the right spot and I won an award. I want to play that role more, right? Like I want to be somebody who is important in the spiritual lives of somebody else. Look, you guys brought friends this morning, right? That's a big deal. You guys brought friends this morning? Welcome, we're glad you guys are here. We have stopped being a church that has been a friend to the paralyzed, and I don't mean this particular congregation, I mean church in general has stopped reaching out to people who have no idea who Jesus is. We are really comfortable telling us who Jesus is, right? The people who look like us and have the same faith as us. It's really hard to tell homeless people or people who are uh, abused or abusive. It's hard for us to tell the incarcerated or people who are single and alone that there is hope for them in the person of Jesus. We've stopped being evangelists. We've stopped bringing people to the feet Jesus. We are no longer a friend of the paralyzed and we have got to do better about being a friend to the paralyzed. So in my life, I've also been the paralyzed guy on the mat, right? Have you ever been that person in the story where something has just stopped you from what you know that you're called to do? I have been burdened by school debt. I've been burnt out by to-do lists. I've had people look me in the eyes and tell me that my sermon was awful. They don't like me. They don't like my church. They don't like the mission of Community Brookside. They disagree with our stance on a lot of social issues. Sometimes it gets to be hurtful and I just stop. I've made mistakes in my ministry That have caused pain for others. I've I've not made phone calls that I should have. I've made other phone calls I probably shouldn't have. There are things that I have done that have caused myself to be paralyzed in ministry because I get fearful. God did not create us to be fearful. God created us to be bold. So we gotta be bold. Yes, ma'am. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Yeah, I'm sorry, not a timidity, right? Same. That's exactly right. Preach. Love it. I have been paralyzed by fear that I'm not going to get it right. Have you ever been that way? Sometimes I feel like I have nothing really to offer, and so I become paralyzed. When the church and the people within the body of Christ become paralyzed by fear of making mistakes, by fear of what might happen, the church loses its power against injustice, excuse me, injustice and oppression, right? If our church forefathers would have stayed in that upper room after Jesus was crucified, they were so afraid they had to lock themselves in the room. If they would have stayed there, what would that have been for the church? It would have been a death sentence for us, right? Right? What if Paul never really followed Jesus? What if he hadn't seen Jesus on the road to Damascus? What if his eyes were never opened? We wouldn't have incredible letters in the Gospels, or sorry, in the New Testament that, that tell us about the person of Jesus, that make a difference in the life of the church? What if Martin Luther King never would have spoken out about injustices? Would people who don't look like us be in the position they are today? What if Martin Luther, right? So uh, a man who stood up against the injustices done by the Roman Catholic church, what if he would have said, ah, church is fine. I'm not gonna mess with it. What if he had been paralyzed by fear? What if the church condemns me to death, which by the way, they did. Uh, What if that happens to me? I'm not gonna pin my 95 theses on the wall, right? If we become paralyzed by fear, lives don't change. Too often we allow fear to keep us silent and to hold us down. Too often our state of paralyzation keeps us from experiencing what God has in store for us. And oftentimes we lose out on incredible moments of faith. So I mentioned it earlier, but you know, going back to the story, I-, I have also been one of those skeptical religious people, right? Have you ever seen those late night TV shows and or like they're like infomercials about some particular pastor who has a miracle green towel or this miracle Jordan River water that's going to heal you and bring you blessings and prosperity? Anybody ever seen those late isn't that nuts? But that's what people see because those people pay to have airtime. People don't see regular churches where God is being taught, where people are being saved, where lives are being changed. No, we hear about the miracle green towel that if you send me $39.95, you get my book, this towel, and you're gonna be blessed until Jesus comes back, right? That is not what the church is about. So I have become the skeptical person that when I see any guy on TV who's talking about Jesus, I'm like, what? Really? Okay." Okay. Yeah. I have seen the church hurt people too, right? I've become skeptical of just the whole entity of church at times. I've worked in the church for over 20 years. And I've seen the church do things that I disagree with. And I've seen people affected negatively, incredibly negatively. It was a couple years ago before we actually started worship here in this place that I was at our downtown campus, right? So uh, many of you know I work at First United Methodist Church as well. So uh, while we were planning and preparing for this church to come to fruition, I served uh, basically as a, a door greeter a lot on Sunday mornings. I would wear my robe and I'd go stand out on the curb and I'd wave at people as they drove by. Uh, and one time there was uh, clearly a young man who was homeless. He had a lot of his uh, personal belongings strapped to a backpack on his back. And you know I said, hey, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. And he goes, no offense, but F you and your God. And so I thought to myself, first of all, I didn't know what to say, right? If somebody, like you I said was good morning and that was his response. So clearly there was something that happened to this young man from the church that caused him to have this kind of reaction. This is one person, right? How many other people do we know? I, I know a number of people who feel that same way about the church. I've become skeptical of how Beneficial the church is to some people because the church oftentimes doesn't look like what I think Jesus intended it to be. A place where lives are changed, where people are helped and healed and where the story of God is told. I've seen personally how the church can fall short of what God wants for it. And I even find myself becoming more and more cynical. Anytime I go to a big conference or a concert or something involving faith, I find myself questioning the motives of everything. I'm just like one of those Pharisees sitting on the front row of Jesus teaching. Oh yeah, who does he think he is that he can forgive sins? And I have to recognize that in myself and I have to stop. My focus is sometimes spent more on where the church fails than when it does good. And believe me, I I absolutely still know that the church does good. But I want to make sure that this church does good. That anything that I stick my hand in the middle of, I want it to look like Jesus. The other place I find myself in the story is a part of the crowd, right? Most of the time, I just, I'm there. I sit in the house. I'm not thinking about anything else other than the fact that I've got a spot here and I can hear everything that Jesus is. Like I focus on the me, right? And we have got to be careful that we're not just people who are confident and comfortable sitting in the house. Jesus didn't call us to come to church, a building once a week and sit here for an hour and that's good. Jesus called everything that he taught to play a role in the way that we live our lives so that every moment we speak, every moment we breathe, we're breathing out the message of the gospel. But oftentimes we show up because we get a spot in the house. Sometimes we can lose, if we're not careful, we can lose focus on what the purpose of being a Christian is, what the purpose of a church is. We're called to point the way to Jesus. But too often we start thinking, as long as I get something out of the sermon, as long as I get filled, as long as I like the music, that it's all we need. We've been successfully churched. And that's not what we're being called to. I believe that Jesus did not become incarnate in order to start a religious organization, right? He didn't call us to build these million square foot buildings that have three foot thick concrete walls and these incredibly ornate stained glass windows. Jesus called us to make a difference in the lives of widows and orphans and the downtrodden and the discriminated against and the broken, right? So we've got to not just be okay with sitting in church. We've got to be okay with getting up and going out and being church. I sometimes forget that I'm a person that needs to look around and see all the people who need Jesus just as much as I do. I'm not called to sit in a room with a bunch of other folks. I'm called to make room to bring other people in. So this story from the book of Mark chapter two, it's really, it's really incredible to see a man healed, but it's really incredible to find where you are in the story today and find a way to maybe be somebody else tomorrow, right? Let us move on, like John Wesley says, towards perfection in love. Let us find ways to be more like Jesus and recognize what Jesus holds important. It's not just those who show up in here. That's important. But what's most important is that our faith makes a difference in somebody else's life. Not that it saves you, but your faith is so important to you and makes such a difference that it saves somebody else because you've not been afraid to bring them to Jesus. So friends, let us never stop bringing people to Jesus. We are called by this story to help all people find a home in the church. We are called to stop at nothing in order to bring all paralyzed people to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So wherever you find yourself in that story today, my prayer is that tomorrow you will find yourself closer to Jesus. That you will make a difference that you, you will find a way to make a difference in the lives of your friends, especially those who are broken and hurting. Friends, we have got to be a church that looks like this example. We've got to be individuals who look like this example, who stop at nothing to show others how powerful and important the message of the gospel is. May it be so today, may it be so forever. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.